0: Hey, good morning. Welcome to Waterstone live stream service. We're so glad you're here with us today. Uh, If you're new to Waterstone, we're so glad to know you and see you. And there's a couple of ways we'd love to let you know you can engage with Waterstone uh, today. First. Uh, we'd love for you to fill out an information card to let us know more about who you are, and you can do that by texting new WCC to three one nine nine six and fill out that card for us. And if you do that today, we're going to give ten dollars to Open Door Ministries as a way of helping the community around us. Also, right after the services this morning, there is a Zoom call that you can be a part of to get to know some of our pastors and staff. Again, go to the WaterstoneChurch.org livestream page and click on Welcome Zoom to be part of that call. One of the cool things about this uh, livestream service is the fact that families can worship together. And we have some resources for you families to help engage your kids through this time. Uh, again, go to our livestream page, waterstonechurch.org slash livestream, and click on the Kids Worship button to get more of those resources. Well, we as a church have been going through a love this book series we're going through the entire book of the bible this year and right now we've turned to our uh, the new section wisdom for living and we're focusing today on the psalms One of the things about the Psalms is it helps us to engage in conversation with God. It helps us to pray. It helps us to engage our emotions. And so today we're going to focus on prayer as a church. And we have a group of Waterstone kids who are going to lead us in a call to worship, a prayer from the Psalms.
1: The Good Shepherd from Psalm 23. David was a shepherd, but when God looked at him, he saw a king. Do you know that David was a songwriter too? In fact, his songs were so good, they might have been in the top 40 charts if they had been invented then. David's songs are like prayers. They're called Psalms. And this one is called the Song of the Shepherd. It's probably number one on the Psalms chart. And it goes like this. God is my shepherd and I am his little lamb. He feeds me, he guides me, he looks after me. I have everything I need. Inside my heart is very quiet, as quiet as lying still in soft green grass in a meadow by a little stream. Even when I walk through the dark, scary, lonely places, I won't be afraid because my shepherd knows where I am. He is here with me, he keeps me safe, he rescues me, he makes me strong, and brave. He's getting wonderful things ready for me, especially for me, everything I ever dreamed of. He fills my heart so full of happiness, I can't hold it all inside. Wherever I go, I know God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love will go too. God gave David that song to sing to his people so they could know that he loved them and would always look after them. Like a shepherd loves his sheep and one day, God was going to do something that would inspire thousands upon thousands of new songs. God was going to show His people, once and for all, just how much He loved them. Another shepherd was coming, a greater shepherd. He would be called the Good Shepherd. And this shepherd was going to lead all of God's lambs back to the place where they had always belonged, close to God's heart.
2: We're going to take a few minutes now to pray for our medical community and all the frontline workers. Will you join me as we pray? Lord, we lay before you the medical staff in our community. We ask that they would be safe as they work so closely with those who are extremely contagious. We ask that none of them would pass the virus to a family member and that they themselves will not get sick. We pray especially for their children, Lord, that they would feel loved and safe during this time. Would you calm the hearts of the children and those who are caring for them? May the children not feel abandoned. We pray for each staff member, the doctors, nurses, PAs, aides, the lab and respiratory and x-ray techs, chaplains and housekeeping staff, as they work long shifts each day and night. We ask your protection for their bodies, not only from the virus, but also their heart health during this incredibly stressful time. We ask that they would be able to get restful sleep every night. Lord, we ask that you would give them strength, both physically and emotionally, and courage to face each challenge. May they not hold things inside, but instead process with someone who loves them. We pray against PTSD, and if things are building up, lead them to ask others for help. Lord, let them cry out to you for help when they're fearful. May this be a time when emotional and spiritual walls would come down, so that those who don't know you will seek you, and those who are prodigals will return to your arms. Lord, in this unprecedented time, Would you appear in dreams and visions to medical workers from all over the world who are entrenched in other religions? We long for the day when we will hear of workers from both near and far who turn to your saving grace during this time. For those who do know you, Lord, let this be a time when they have a sense of your presence constantly with them and with your presence, peace and hope. Let Bible verses and worship music flow through their minds, bringing them comfort and reminders of your love and care for them. Remind us, Lord, to pray for medical staff as we see them on the news and hear about them. Let us minister to those we know. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
3: We would like to invite you to our midweek connection this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Paul, Joslyn, and I will be talking about the place of prayer and pursuing God and sharing some of our own journey about prayer. But we'd also like to take a few minutes during that time to talk about Waterstone. Many of you have asked, how's Waterstone doing during these weeks? And so we just want to share with you about Waterstone is alive and well and talk about that for a bit. So if you have any questions you'd like to ask about Waterstone and how we're doing or about prayer in the Psalms, as you'll hear in the message today, we invite you even today to send those into the live stream. We live in a culture of longing, longing for connection with one another and with God or, or the other, something that transcends our life. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to a Billboard interview this week where Rain Wilson, who played the character of Dwight on The Office, interviewed a singer, uh, Billie Eilish, and uh, it was about her mastery of, the, of a, the Office. It was a quiz. Billie Eilish uh, reveals that she has watched the nine seasons 12 times, and she aced the quiz. She's the world number one Office fan. But what was really interesting to me was how she talked about The Office when she gets up in the morning, she turns it on. When she brushes her teeth, she watches it. When she goes to the bathroom, she watches the office. The office is home to her, as I think many of us would say as well, find a sense of home from the office. I also enjoyed this week reading a, Bill, uh, a Rolling Stone interview with Ben Schlappig. Ben Schlappig is a travel blogger who is very popular for helping to find cheap or free airfare. But his story caught my attention. Last year, Ben Schlappig traveled 400,000 miles. That's 16 times around the globe, mostly for free. He spent 43 consecutive weeks in a hotel, an average of six hours a day up in the air. He said in the interview that home for him is when he hears the airflow begin to pressurize the cabin in the plane. He's home, but his story about what he's chasing up in the air is even more interesting. Ben talks about when he was three years old, His older brother died suddenly. Uh, His older brother was 14 years old, but was really his father figure because his own father was absent. And so when his brother died, Ben, little Ben, three years old, was undone. He screamed. He cried constantly. He got kicked out of preschool for the screaming. And on the hard days, the only way his mother could calm him was to take him to an airport where he could watch the planes take off and land. We are longing for home. Many of you have joined today. I know in the services every week at Waterstone, we have people who are checking out Christianity or trying to connect with God, just trying to figure out who he is. And uh, that's true today, I'm sure. And if that's you, we are so glad you're here. And we believe that God wants to connect with you. And that's one of the reasons that he gave us the Psalms. In fact, I would argue that's the main reason for prayer is to connect with God and experience his presence. In Jeremiah, one of the old prophets, he says, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. In other words, connecting with God is not on our terms, but it's on his terms. It's not about God being like a human vending machine where, uh, as one Hollywood director once put it, if only God would give me a clear sign, like a large deposit in my name in a Swiss bank account. No, that's not how we're going to find God or have his existence proved to us. It's rather we will find him as we seek him and one of the ways God's given us to seek him with our whole heart is prayer. So today as we preach through the whole Bible we come to the middle of the Bible uh, and talk about the book of Psalms. I'd first like to talk about how the Psalms work to build connection with God that is poetry. And then we'd like to look at two specific psalms. One from the end of uh, the the psalms about uh, how David prayed his praise and shared his good days with the Father. And then one of the early psalms about the hardest day in David's life and how we share the bad days with our Heavenly Father as well. Let's talk first about Hebrew poetry. The psalms are poetry. Now, we need to ask the question, what's the purpose of poetry? And the best answer I've ever heard for that comes from a, an old film uh, dating me here, but the, the Dead Poet Society, you remember the teacher, the kid, Robin Williams, was asking in an, in an all-boys school, boarding school, hey, boys, what's the purpose of poetry? And they started looking through their textbooks, frantically scrambling for the answers about rhyme and meter and diction. But uh, each time Robin Williams said, no, no. Thank you for playing. Thank you for playing. That's not it. Tear that page out. Tear that page out. And finally, near the end, he says, boys, boys, bring it in. He gets their attention, and he looks them in the eye, and he says, boys, the purpose of poetry is to woo women. You see, poetry is the language of the heart of emotion. And God wants to connect with us at the heart level with our emotions and our minds. And so the way that he does that is to give us these prayers in Hebrew poetry. Hebrew poetry has two unique features. The first we call parallelism. Parallelism is saying the same thing twice using different words. So for instance, in Psalm 23, we have the big idea God will take care of us during this COVID-19 experience. God will take care of us. But Psalm 23 says it nine different ways and talks about green pastures and still waters and paths of righteousness and rod and staff and cups overflowing and table before me in the presence of my enemies. God will take care of you, but I want you to hear it nine times, nine different ways. You see, what God wants us to do, let's pull out of that nine to five, hit the asphalt, drive to work, all slow down. Slow down. We live in constant busyness. Let's sit down together and talk, and I want you to hear what I'm trying to say. You know, another favorite place where I love the parallelism and hear God trying to connect with me is when I sin, when I I fail, when I make mistakes, when I disappoint and and just sin. And I always usually go to Psalm 51, which is the, the song that David wrote after his massive sin of adultery and even murder with Bathsheba and her husband, And in that song, what's interesting is that there's only four words for sin. In fact, in the whole Hebrew language, there's really only four words for sin. Sin is boring. It's as boring as the COVID reruns on network television. But in that song, there's 19 different verbs that talk about what God does with our sins. He cleanses us. He purifies us. He purges us. I mean... What God does with our sin, that's the main event. Our sin's not the main event. What God does with our sin is the main event. And he wants us to hear that again and again and again. You are Forgiven, So that's the idea of parallelism, slow down, let's talk and connect. But the other feature, metaphor, is also very interesting. Uh, metaphor, you may remember from your uh, English grammar, is uh, a comparison using two things to help one uh, understand the other. So when we come to God, we need pictures, we need metaphors, we need words to help us understand his infinite and in- invisible existence. So the Psalms are full of them, like, God is my rock, God is my fortress. God is my strong tower. The Lord is my shepherd. Metaphor after metaphor after metaphor to help us understand who God is. But here's the beauty. Here's the connection. We get to bring our experience to fill those metaphors. So when God says, for instance, in Psalm 23, which our kids read so beautifully earlier, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What's on that table? I know for me, it's turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, gravy, corn, and a teaspoon of cranberry sauce. That's the table. I love that God would share that table with me, and that's what we're going to share together. You see, we get to participate in the pictures. God is talking to us, and we use our imagination. Another one of my favorite, God is my rock. What do you think of when you think of a rock, that God is our rock? I know what I don't think of. I lived in, Jen and I, the boys lived in Massachusetts for five years, pastored a church there. And while we were there, we kept hearing about Plymouth and Plymouth Rock. And uh, the buildup was was significant. Plymouth Rock, you got to go see Plymouth Rock. Well, we get there, we walk up, we see this big temple thing over it. We look over the rail and here is Plymouth Rock. It's literally this big, barely big enough for 1620 to fit on the rock. Biggest disappointment of living in New England, Plymouth Rock. When I think of a rock, I think of Mount Massive, Mount Elbert, Long's Peak. Uh, I think of Colorado rocks when I think of the massiveness of God. But see, God connecting with us in our prayers, uh, participating with, through parallelism and through metaphor. He wants us to participate with him. Now, let's look at two Psalms where we see the poetry in action and how God wants to share uh, and give us a sense of home with him. The first one is in Psalm 145, near the end of the Psalms. It's the last one uh, that's attributed to David. And before we even would start reading, and by the way, if you wanna grab a Bible, we're not gonna read all of it, um, uh, the, Psalm 145, so you can have it in front of you. But what's interesting about Psalm 145 that doesn't immediately jump out is that it's an acrostic psalm. There's, a, in the Hebrew, 22 verses, there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. You, The way this psalm is written is A, B, C, each verse uh, starting with the consecutive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now you think about that, first of all, that's a massive mental work. Can you imagine doing that in English? Sit down, and actually, our kids are going to do this this week. We can't wait to see how their psalms uh, turn out this week, and we're we looking forward to sharing them as they're writing psalms to Jesus this week. But can you imagine what's involved in sitting down, and you have to write a song, and each of the verses begins with a consecutive letter? It would be a mental exercise, a lot of mental work. And what's interesting is how David does it. First part, he talks about the Lord is gracious. This is verses 8 and 9, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow, to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Now, those two verses come directly from Exodus 34. In other words, one thing David is doing to fill this acrostic and think about God is he's looking at the book. He is going back to scriptures and saying this is who God is. I want to remind us that God wants to be known so badly that he's given us this book we call the Bible. This is the revelation of who God is. He wants you and I to know Him and uh, to, to get to know Him, and that's why we have this book, and that's why we can pray this way, even knowing in Scripture who God is helps us pray to Him with knowledge. But it's also not only looking at the book, it's also watching the world. You read on a little further in the Psalm, verse 15, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living creature. So not only is David thinking about God from scripture, but he's also watching the world. And every day, if you're watching, God and his goodness are on display. I'll never forget thinking this verse and and wanting to tell you a story From our family, Uh, years ago, when our boys were maybe eight and five, we invited some new neighbors across the street to our home. They had just moved into the neighborhood. They were retired dairy farmers from South Dakota. So they walk in, we introduce ourselves, we sit out at the table, I ask them what to drink, and of course they said milk. So I open the refrigerator and get the milk out, and uh, I ask them if they wanted skim or 2%. You see, in our family, the one non-negotiable for me in my marriage is I never want to drink skim milk because if I want water, I'll drink water my milk always needs a percentage in it so they were very impressed that we had two gallons of milk in our refrigerator we say the blessings start to eat and Elmer starts in with my two boys and he asked them boys where does milk come from kids where does milk come from well my oldest son Ethan, he was always the one to talk first in our family and he made a mistake when he said milk comes from King Supers." That was the wrong answer, and Elmer just laid into a sermon I've never forgotten. No, milk comes from cows, cows who are milked twice a day for nine months a year for four years, and then they're sold, and they're made into hamburger, which we're eating tonight, and then they're made into shoes that you wear in your feet. Cows, cows, cows matter. I've never forgotten the sermon and I think of it every time I read this verse. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in the proper time. You see, it's, it's a miracle every day that God fills oh, feeds over six billion people every day. That's a miracle on par with the, two loaves of, the, the five loaves of bread and the two fish. God, if you're watching, is at work even in terms of the food we have every day. You see, part of worship is using our head and thinking about God and knowing he wants to be revealed and so we think about him. But the other part of the acrostic is there's a, there's a playful element in an acrostic, is there not? I'm, I'm guessing the last time you parents and you adults out there did an acrostic is when you were in the third grade and you maybe had a crush on that boy or girl sitting three rows over and three seats up and you wrote your name on your brown paper bag book cover and crossed her name or his name at the vowel with yours. You see there's something, can I say it? romantic about an acrostic psalm. God wants our heart. He wants us to be playful with him. He wants us to rejoice in having this relationship with him and express our feelings and our emotions even with God. He invites us to that level of connection as well. C.S. Lewis put it this way, what the psalms do for me is what they did for David and that is give the delight to dance. The psalms are an invitation to dance. That's one way God connects with us in our good days when we praise. But there's also those hard days. In fact, 70% of the psalms are laments. And if you look at David's life, you just get a sense that that's true for him. I mean, David, man after God's own heart he had a lot of really hard days. We know more about David in the Bible than we know about anyone else, even Jesus. We know more about David because his life is so extensively narrated, and David had some really, really hard days, some of his own making, some of just being part of a fallen and broken world. I wanted us to talk about this kind of prayer we call lament from psalm chapter 3 we'll read it at the end of this time but i wanted to just tell the story behind it and make a couple of comments about lament because god also wants to connect with us on our hard days what happens in psalm 3 is that david uh, as good as he was at running a nation he was a terrible father he could not lead his family. And I would argue that David's most monumental sins have to do with him being a dad. Once one of his daughters was raped by a half-brother, one of David's sons. And then nothing, David did not intervene. He, he said nothing. He, it was like it never happened for him. And then that perpetrator was murdered by another son of David to avenge his sister's honor. And uh, here you have this family falling apart and uh, the whole 5-year period that some of this transpires David does nothing. In fact, he kind of shuns his family. He's not even willing to share any kind of words or mercy that he's received from God with his own family. And here's where we're, what happens is Absalom, the one son who murdered the the other son, he begins to plan a coup, an efficient, bloodless coup, and he forces David out of his throne, forces David out of Jerusalem, and Absalom takes over. And Psalm 3 is the psalm that David writes, coming to his senses, realizing what's going on. He writes this psalm. And there's two things I want to point out about the psalm. First, how honest it is. Part of praying on a hard day, and the way God wants to connect with us, is with honesty, he wants us to be honest about our emotions, even honest about our complainings. Look what, how the psalm starts. Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him again. David's saying, Lord, Lord, are you listening? Are you watching this? I have so many foes, and they're rising up. They're taking action against me, and they're talking about me. Are you listening, Lord? The best definition of lament I've read most recently was in Time Magazine just a few weeks ago when N.T. Wright encouraged us to lament. And he said, what a lament is is when you ask why and you don't get an answer. That's lament, and you just sit in that space of not knowing why all that's happening Is happening around you. But lament is part of saying, Lord, are you seeing this? My foes, how many? They're saying these things about me. So you, you have a holy honesty, as Madison Campbell and our preaching team mentioned, a holy honesty uh, with God, and you complain to him and make sure he knows what's going on. But there's this other piece of lament too that involves feeling, deep, intense feelings. Verse seven, arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. Wow, that is powerful language. Lord, I want you to punch my enemies in the mouth and break their teeth. You see, David is not actually gonna do this, but those are the feelings, and that's what he wants God to, God's to do because he's so angry about all that's transpired here with his own family. Can we be that honest with God? That's the idea of a lament. I, I'm suggesting that when we pray this way, we'll actually be healthier in our walk with God. We'll actually connect more deeply with God because I think when we are able to pray this way with honesty, even complaining to God and sharing our most intense emotions Couple things happen. One, I believe we will think better, or I think we'll feel better. The Psalms contain very little evidence of depression. Why? Because these feelings that we tend to stuff that can turn into bitterness, we get them out. We put them in a safe place, or the safety lock with God, and, and the, the burden is lighter. They're not as intense when we get them out. We're able to feel better the feelings are emancipated but also i think we'll think better i think we'll begin to get perspective on these things as we as we're honest with god and talk about it with him we'll, we'll begin to understand wait this is just a season in time this doesn't define my whole life this is a moment in time and god will walk with me through it and perspective begins to leak in as we begin to talk to god about these things i i love to tell this story kids i'm sure your parents have heard this story it's one of my favorites of all time i'm glad you could hear it this morning uh, There was a writer named Kathleen Norris who was teaching a class on how to pray laments and especially the ones with anger in them. And um, she writes about having a student in her class, a grandmother, and they worked on a, a Psalm 109, which is probably the hottest Psalm in the whole scriptures. It burns when you touch it. It has a lot of intense anger in it. And uh, they worked through this psalm, the grandmother goes home, and uh, what happened was her granddaughter, who she was watching that day, had ridden her bike to the public pool. It was a hot August day in the south, one of those days where you just stick your hand out the door and your whole body begins to sweat. She rode a full mile to the public pool in the heat, got to the pool, and uh, found out that the pool was closed. It was closed for maintenance. And not only that, she'd ridden all that way, but the lifeguard, a teenage boy who kind of you know, are not always as sensitive as, as we could be, kind of yelled at the girl and said, little girl, go home, the pool's closed. Well, it just crushed her, it broke her heart. She rode all the way back to her grandma's house in tears, walked in, her grandmother hugs her son, honey, honey, what's wrong? And the little girl told her what had happened. The pool was closed and the lifeguard was short with her. And uh, so grandmother says, come on, honey, let's sit down. Uh, Just today I was learning how to pray when you're upset and when you're angry. And she starts in with the little girl to read through Psalm 109 and gets to that vengeance section where it says, it's written by David, and David had been betrayed probably by Saul. It's one of those times when he's really upset because his enemies, uh, you know, are, are against him. And he says, "May his mother uh, get sick, and may his children become wandering beggars, and may a creditor seize all that he has." And finally, the little girl says, "Grandma, Grandma, stop! He was just a kid." Perspective. We begin to get perspective, and and it's not only that we'll think better and we'll feel better, but we'll actually. Be better because it goes on in the psalm but you Lord are a shield around me my glory the one who lifts my head high I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy hill I lie down and sleep I wake again because the Lord sustains me I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side you see David begins as after the complaining after the demands after the protest he begins to have perspective come into his life and he begins to remember what he calls the holy hill what's the holy hill the holy hill is that place in jerusalem where david was anointed king and god had made promises to david that he would always be with him covenant And the Holy Hill is that place where the Ark of the Covenant in David's day sat, that place within the Ark of the Covenant where the Ten Commandments were, that God would lead his people and always reveal himself to his people, and then the jar of manna that God would always provide for his people. And the the idea of the Holy Hill is that there's a larger story that we're all a part of with God writing history. And so David begins, after all this expression, to see the Holy Hill and the promises of God and the presence of God and the character of God that He. Jesus' a shield around him. And it's then that David begins to understand a word that's in this psalm three times, deliverance. It's the word in Hebrew, Yeshua, which is Joshua. And in the New Testament, which is Jesus. You see, David begins to see the deliverance of God coming from the holy hill. And that's how we see the deliverance of God coming to us, Jesus, the son of David, crossed the brook Kidron, the sins of his family he was bearing, walked up the Mount of Olives where he was crushed for our iniquities. He took all the evil of the world on himself so that he could end evil without ending us. No matter what you're going through today, no matter what I'm going through, what I do know is that the answer is not that God doesn't love us. Look at the holy hill, sit down with the songs, connect with God and listen till the holy hill comes and God loves you. He laid down, his, sent his son for you, he laid down his life for you and to forgive your sins and promise you eternity. God from the holy hill speaks and he loves us. I don't know what's going on with the COVID-19 We live in bewildering times, and I think often the American church, we're addicted to answers. We're addicted to finding explanations and the seven principles that will help us get through this time. I'm becoming more and more convinced that there's probably not going to be huge, big answers to why all this is happening beyond the one that we know, which is that we live in a broken world, a fallen world, which we corrupted And in this fallen world, there are viruses that sometimes attack human lungs. God is still in control. God will redeem. God has his purposes, but we seldom get to know all of those. We're a a church that's usually addicted to positivity when I think often what God wants us to do in these seasons is lament, to sit in it. Perhaps this is a time, perhaps this is a time for gaps and silence until we see the holy hill and God's love for us. Perhaps this is a time for honesty in our prayers. Have you told God how much it hurts? Perhaps this is a time for love and listening more than feeding ourselves with overwhelming information every hour of every day. Perhaps this is a time for psalms, particularly laments. What it means to pray a psalm is simply this. You read one a day, just one a day. And then you read it, secondly, aloud. Because it's, though your vocal cords, it's actually God's voice. And you hear God talking with you. You read one a day, you read it aloud, maybe even with your friends or your family. And then thirdly, you pay attention to the pictures, to the parallelism, to the words. And as things pop into your mind, the Holy Spirit prompting you, God will even begin to steer your prayers to him or to situations and other people who need your heart and your prayers. Waterstone, all who are watching today, I invite you, I plead with you, pray the Psalms. Let's pray Psalm 3 together a psalm of David, when he fled from his son Absalom. O Lord, how many are my foes! How many rise up against me! Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people.
0: Amen. Well, thank you for being with us today at Waterstone Church for our live stream service. Today we focused on prayer as a community, prayer from the Psalms, and we're gonna continue that conversation on Wednesday evening at our Midweek Connection. Paul and Larry are going to gather at 7 p.m. And we'd love to invite you to be a part of that, to talk further about what prayer means at Waterstone. That is uh, on Facebook Live or our website, waterstonechurch.org slash livestream. By the way, you can submit your questions beforehand to Facebook Messenger app or info at waterstonechurch.org. Well, during this time, we have a web page that is continuing to keep you informed and help you know how you can engage, what help you can receive, how we can help others. That's our COVID-19 care page, waterstonechurch.org COVID-19 care. Please go there to find out more of how you can help in this time. And finally, I want to thank you as Waterstone for being so incredibly generous during this time. Through your support of Waterstone, we've been able to help many people in our community through our food bank, to help smaller organizations who are in need, and simply help those in the community who come and need help. So thank you for your generosity, and we want to invite you to continue to be generous. You can give today at waterstonechurch.org slash give or text give to 720-330-4810. Finally today, I want to... Uh, give you the benediction. Would you receive the benediction today as we go? This comes from Romans 15 verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Waterstone, that's our prayer for you and we hope you have a great week. See you soon.